We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app welcome to face connecticut an in-depth look at today's issues Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by the Commissioner of the State Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, Katie Dykes. Good morning to you, Commissioner. Good morning, Aaron. Great to be with you. Well, it is a busy Memorial Day weekend in Connecticut, the first holiday weekend under the new normal of the COVID-19 pandemic, and your message to visitors to state parks and forests, which are going to be busy this weekend. Well, now more than ever, our state park system is providing a really critical outlet for folks. Um, We've been all hunkered down at home, uh, staying safe, staying home during these last eight weeks. And I know the weather is just gorgeous and people are excited to get outside. Uh, And so our message is our park system is open, uh, but our operations are going to be a little different um, this year. And we're excited to be able to make a lot of things that we know people love to do, like visit our shoreline parks, enjoy a little time on the beach, doing some swimming. Um, We're making that available, but in different ways so that we can keep people safe. And so, um, you know, as we've been adapting our plans here at Deep, we're really looking to the public uh, to follow along with some simple rules and guidelines uh, that so we can help keep them safe and be able to maintain our park system open um, as we head into the summer season. So how will things be different than, say, Memorial Day weekend <laughs> last year? Well, we know that we've had a a really significant increase in visitors to our parks over the last eight weeks. Um, People, as you know, fewer other opportunities are available uh, to folks. You know, Little League is shut down. uh, (laughs) Your gym is closed. Um, So as, you know, things are beginning to reopen, but many of those types of activities may not be available, we know that we're going to continue to see increased numbers of visitors uh, coming through the summer months. So what's going to be different for folks? Well, um, the, fam- the rules are now getting uh, pretty familiar, uh, maintaining six feet of distance between yourself and, and other visitors, really important, uh, me- minimizing group sizes. So we're asking folks to come to our parks to enjoy some solitary recreation or come with members of your immediate household. We're not allowing groups of more than five. That includes household uh, members. So uh, you know, common small groups with with the folks you're living with, um, and we are um, going to be allowing swimming uh, at our shoreline parks this year. 
not at the inland parks. And I'll talk about why that is. Um, swimming, it's, it's not out of a concern that people could uh, catch the virus or that it could be transmitted in the water. It's more about the crowding that occurs onshore, on the beach, uh, when we see you know visitors coming to enjoy uh, those uh, opportunities to get in the water. And we just simply have more space at the shoreline parks to be able to accommodate that. But at a lot of the inland parks, um, those beaches are tiny, and uh, and we see crowding happening even uh, out when we don't have a pandemic going on. So we've made the decision uh, for for the time being that we will be allowing swimming at our shoreline parks um, and not at the inland par- parks. But what that means is folks need to uh, think, you know, again, uh, th- think about maintaining distance and maintaining space. So on the beaches, a good rule of thumb is 15 feet um, as you shake out your beach blanket and get set up, uh, think about maintaining about 15 feet of distance between you and the next group. Um, That will give folks six feet on either side plus a three-foot walkway in between. Uh, We think that's a good rule of thumb as as people think about how to stay safe um, on the beach. But uh, one of the most important things uh, that people can do is to plan ahead and have some alternative backup plans in mind. One of the key ways that we're able to keep our parks open and especially our really popular shoreline parks um, during the summer season is that we have lowered the uh, amount of parking capacity uh, that we can provide at those parks. Um, we've been monitoring this for the last several weeks to get an, a sense of um, at what level of visitor numbers oh, things start to get more challenging as far as maintaining social distancing. And so we are closing our parks when they reach uh, that parking capacity level. And in some locations, that could be as little as 25% of the regular parking capacity. And when we close, uh, when we reach that level for the day, uh, the park closes. And so we're not allowing new visitors to come in. Those parks do reopen the next day. Uh, But folks will be seeing uh, as these parks are, are really popular, especially on Weekends, um, when the weather is nice, uh, and and during the afternoons, we know that's a peak time when we see a lot of visitors. That's when you'll see the the number of uh, park closures uh, happening uh, in real time. You know, more frequently um, around the state. So we're encouraging people. Um, you can always go on our Twitter page at CT State Parks. You don't need to actually have a Twitter account uh, to check that. You can just Google it, and that's where we're providing real time information about parks that have closed for capacity for the day. So that's the most important thing people can do is just before you set out, check the Twitter Twitter page. If you arrive at a park and you find that it's closed, uh, the gates are closed, don't engage in a debate with our staff. <laughs> um, you know, choose another park location or think about your backup plan, another place to go or come back at a different time or on a different day. Um, again, we're, we're going to have lower capacity. We'll continue to maintain this is open, but it, it, it's going to mean that, you know, some folks uh, may be disappointed um, to find out that, that what they were looking to do that day just isn't going to be available. Now, when it comes to visiting state parks, I know out-of-staters enjoy Connecticut state parks. Are they welcome this year? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, um, 
you know, from a legal perspective, we, we uh, aren't in the business of excluding uh, residents. We can't discriminate on, uh, against out-of-state residents on, uh, on any basis. But, um, you know, we know that uh, these capacity limits are going to be applying at the parks. We haven't seen high numbers of, of visitors coming from out-of-state uh, just in the monitoring we've been doing. Uh, we are encouraging, and, and I know Governor Lamont is joined with with governors across the Northeast and in, in sharing these messages with, with folks, stay close to home. Uh, we, we want everyone to enjoy, you know, we have great parks um, here in our state, uh, Connecticut residents enjoy them. Um, it's the same in other states as well. So um, we're all across the region, just encouraging folks to look for opportunities um, that are close to home as, as they think about uh, getting outdoors uh, this season. Um, we are also uh, able to provide uh, free parking for all Connecticut residents, thanks to the Passport to Parks program that came into place in 2017. With a modest fee on vehicle registrations, we're able to support all the operations of our state parks, including what we've been able to accomplish uh, over, over this past spring and keeping our park system open when we saw many states around the region were closing theirs. So it's a really important program. And through that program, we're able um, to uh, not have to charge for parking uh, for, for Connecticut residents, but we are implementing uh, uh, charges on park for non-residents. Um, and you'll see that in place at, at many very shoreline parks. Now, you mentioned swimming is not allowed at the inland parks, but it is allowed at the shoreline parks this weekend. Are lifeguards on duty this weekend? Mm -hmm. So we are not uh, providing lifeguards uh, yet this season. Uh, in part, we are you know, adapting uh, to new guidance that's come out uh, from the American Red Cross um, to ensure that our lifeguards are properly uh, trained. Also, that we have um, adequate PPE uh, for them as well. We, it's really important to us that so we, we need to keep them safe so that they can keep everyone else safe. Um, so at this time, we are not providing lifeguards on duty, um, but as we are able to get those resources in place and continue with um, our hiring and ramping up to the full season, uh, we'll be updating uh, the status on, on the availability of lifeguards as well. You mentioned there might be a conversation or two at park gates when parks are full. I can also imagine there might be conversations on the beach if one person thinks another person is getting too close. What's the best way to handle that? You know, I, again, I'll just say personally, there's a lot of uh, stress and anxiety. You know, we, we're trying uh, our best. People are learning new rules. We're having to change, you know, old behaviors. And there's a lot of concern uh, for many of us about, um, you know, the risks of exposure uh, from, you know, our neighbors and, and people uh, in the community um, that we're encountering in, in everyday spaces. So, Look, I, I think that um, it just goes with with just a friendly request, you know, um, taking a, a positive tone, um, leading by example. Uh, those are really important things. Explaining, you know, your concerns to someone, but also don't don't hesitate to share your concerns um, with our park staff. Uh, we have environmental conservation officers that are uh, going to be present. They're on the ground um, in these park locations, especially on these busy weekends. Uh, we have been uh, in this business for many weeks now, um, intervening and, and educating uh, park visitors about these new social distancing guidelines. And so, again, you know, when when we put out um, something like a recommendation for 15 feet, we're not coming around with um, uh, tape measures, <laughs> you know, 
uh, to, to check that down down to the uh, three quarters of an inch. But um, we, we don't have the staffing to do that. But but all of these practices, you know, in aggregate, are what is able to get us there to help keep um, uh, minimizing the spread of coronavirus. And so again. Perfection and and perfect hundred percent compliance may not be possible, um, but it's about how we how we talk to each other um, and educate in a positive way uh, that that will ensure that people know uh, what to do and how to stay safe. Um, I, I will say that over the last uh, several weeks, uh, as we've had our park system open, um, we've we've been monitoring on a daily basis um, how it's going with the social distancing. Uh, we've learned a lot, you know, in aggregate. I mean, there have been some uh, circumstances uh, where, where we've had some crowding in certain locations. We've made some targeted closures, um, we of cl- closures of our indoor facilities, closures of uh, the boardwalk connector, for example, at Silver Hands, where it just really wasn't feasible to have two-way traffic on that uh, feature. Uh, we've made some targeted tweaking to our operations uh, to help people do the right thing. Um, and, and where we've, you know, had some challenges, we've, we've learned how to intervene and, and educate folks on, on doing the right thing. Um, I'm really proud of what our park staff and our environmental conservation officers and frankly, all of our essential employees at DEEP have done uh, to be able to maintain these facilities in a safe way. It, it's really shown how our mission has helped uh, people, you know, uh, stay the course uh, with the governor's directives uh, to minimize uh, the coronavirus spread. And, we're happy to do our part, and, and we appreciate what the public has been doing as well to adapt uh, to these challenging times. As I've been out at parks, you know, talking with our staff and and talking with members of the public, you know, people have been doing a, a really pretty good job, I would say, in following the social distancing rules. They want to do the right thing, and they've been coming up and saying, you know, thanks uh, for keeping the parks open. We want to continue to keep these facilities open um, through the summer. A lot of it is going to depend on how well people do and following these rules. And so we'll be watching closely, um, helping to update people on what to do. And hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll all be able to get through this in a positive way. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Katie Dykes, the commissioner of the State Department of Energy and Environmental Protection. Now, as you noted, some states decided to close their parks and beaches as part of pandemic shutdowns. Connecticut made the conscious decision to keep them open what went into that decision? Well, you know, I think it starts with, uh, you know, the governor uh, early on in, in March and talking with him, you know, he observed to me, look, people have got to have an outlet. They've got to have something they can do. Um, it, it's really important, you know, for your your sanity <laughs> um, to be able to get outside at some point uh, to, to make make this, you know, again, this is not a... Uh, an emergency that we're in for a couple of days and then it's over. This is, we have to be able to stay the course for the duration. And, and, and that was really his sense. And, uh, and then of course, in talking with our team, uh, at deep, you know, we have, um, we're so blessed to have uh, a terrific, uh, staff, um, and, and, and folks who've been, uh, helping to maintain these parks for, for decades. And there's a real sense of, okay, how can we adapt our rules? What can we do? Um, to make this possible. So with respect to picnicking, for example, uh, we realized when the limitations on group size of five or more came in, uh, we were going to need to do something there. And and right away, uh, our team started to move to segregate some of the tables, uh, stack the picnic tables, uh, post the signage. Uh, again, 
Um, it, this has been the name of the game is there's no playbook for this. Um, so it's been about collaborative decision making and, and making changes really quickly um, to keep people safe. So, you know, that's what's enabled us to, to keep going um, during this time. And, but really, Aaron, so much of it has uh, been about um, not just what we've been doing, but what the public has been doing. Um, as, as people have shown us that they can follow these rules, that they understand the importance of doing so. That's what's been made it possible for us here in Connecticut um, to keep our system open. Now, Memorial Day weekend is just the start of the busy summer season. What might state parks and forests look like this summer? Pretty much what we're seeing this weekend, or are things going to be evolving? Oh, Aaron, with, with everything having to do with COVID-19, uh, it's, it's constantly evolving. Um, which way it breaks will be a great question, uh, to the extent that we see how things have gone, uh, particularly with respect to the beaches, um, over this weekend and, and in the coming few weeks. Um, and it, and this looks like something we can continue to maintain safely, maintain safely. Uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be at how do we reopen restrooms? Uh, is there any provision for reopening concessions and snack stands and, and next, uh, next steps? Um, you know, but our priority has to be around keeping people safe. So again, we've been constantly on a daily basis, the monitoring reports that are getting from staff and for, from our environmental conservation officers. We've also been privileged of good coordination and, and dialogue with our municipal partners. Um, we know, again, part of the, the success we've had in the last several weeks is that um, there are a lot of different options for the public. Not only have we kept our municipal or our state parks open, but land trusts have, have stayed open. Those are great uh, opportunities for people to get out and take a hike all around the state in our wonderful uh, open spaces, um, as well as many uh, municipal parks. So the more options that people have, the uh, more we can spread uh, visitors around and have in any one location and, and hopefully be able to continue to that strategy going forward. Another that we've been discussing uh, and, and we hope to have some updates on soon relates to campgrounds. These are really, really popular sites uh, across the um, that we're able to provide for, for youth camping, uh, for our campgrounds. Um, we did need to let people know so they could make plans. We weren't able to uh, reopen campgrounds uh, as of yet. So we've canceled reservations through June 11th. Assess uh, the needs that we have for keeping those grounds safe. You know, it's not just about uh, people out uh, in campsites. There's the restrooms and bathhouses um, uh, that bring our staff and our visitors into close interaction with each other at many of the uh, campgrounds. So, as we are working on guidelines and assessing the availability of, of uh, personal equipment and um, training for our staff. Um, we'll be making decisions about whether or when uh, we can reopen some of that uh, th those functions um, to the public. So just to be clear, if you have the proper distance on the beach, you don't have to be wearing the mask all the time, correct? That's right. That's right. Yep. And uh, but if you you know you wear, keep it with you, and uh, and to the extent that that distance can't be maintained, slide it up, and you're all set. If there's any silver lining about the pandemic, do you think it might be that people are discovering, perhaps for the first time, state parks and forests, 
And do you think the volume that we're seeing now is going to remain once restrictions are lifted? I am so excited about you know this aspect, uh, which is how many first-time visitors we've had to our parks um, and, and how even uh, folks who have, have been coming to the parks for years or who may be aware of them um, have really rediscovered the value that they're providing. One of the great things about Connecticut is that we have a park within 15 minutes drive of every man, woman, and child in the state. It's part of the reason that, um, or it's one of the things that people cite when they talk about the great quality of life uh, that keeps them here or has attracted them to living in Connecticut. And that asset, those assets of those outdoor recreation opportunities together with municipal parks and land trusts, um, which we have been stewarding for decades through really strong policies here in the state, um, we have been able to see the benefit of those investments in, in prioritizing open space um, during this pandemic. So, um, you know, have had some great interaction with the Connecticut Outdoor Retailers Association. Um, there's hundreds of businesses across the state that have grown up around supporting outdoor recreation and great quality of life um, and in our state parks and other locations. And so they are really um, providing a tremendous service uh, in getting people equipped and helping provide training and resources for folks um, who are rediscovering on the value of spending a little time outside, uh, you know, especially during stressful times. So I couldn't be more proud um, to serve as, as the commissioner of a department that is able to provide that outdoor recreation opportunity for folks during this time. And I couldn't be prouder of our, our staff and our team on um, their helping support, uh, support that as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an essential part of our mission um, and we're really glad to be doing it. Okay. Now, you, you talked about uh, packing in, packing out when it comes to rubbish at state parks. And this past week, Connecticut restarted its its bottle redemption program. It's kind of in a, a soft relaunch, I suppose, at this point. What is going on there? Because I know, I'm guessing at least, a, a lot of folks probably have the bottles and cans piling up in their garages. That's right. So earlier this uh, this year, uh, right after the beginning of, of our pandemic response, we heard from a lot of our grocery stores um, about their concerns uh, for having the availability of PPE for their staff and just, a, you know, a lot of the other operational challenges that they were dealing with in providing this essential service of uh, uh, grocery sales to the public, which is so vital during this time. Um, in response to their concerns, we provided some flexibility by uh, suspending or exercising some of our enforcement discretion uh, with respect to uh, requiring the redemption uh, opportunity at, at all retail locations. Um, very important, Erin. Uh, there are redemption centers located across the state, more than uh, 15 of them, uh, that have remained open and operating all during this time. I visited one in West Haven uh, about uh, a week and a half ago, um, and it was you know, up and running, uh, fully operational, and saw a lot of folks there who were bringing um, their stash of, of redeemable containers. Uh, so that's a, a great message. People can get information about the location of those redemption centers on our deep website. And then beginning on May 20th, we had started with uh, the resumption of that uh, enforcement. And so we've been working with uh, grocery stores, with liquor stores, and other retail locations as they've been phasing back in uh, redemption. So your containers have value. 
uh, uh, that some folks were a little confused that we had suspended the bottle bill. That's not the case. The containers have value. If you've been hold, uh, stockpiling them at home, um, check ahead at your local grocery store or your favorite redemption location. Um, some may be uh, limiting the number of containers that um, anyone can bring at a particular time just so they can make this manageable um, and they're putting in other social distancing uh, measures to keep people safe or check uh, for a redemption center um, in your area uh, if you want to be able to move uh, a volume of, of containers um, at, at one time. But it's a really important program. Uh, we've heard from, from businesses that rely on these recycled materials, um, how eager they are to uh, <laughs> get these containers moving back into the system. And and we are certainly eager as well at the department. She is Katie Dykes, Commissioner of the State Department of Energy and Environmental Protection. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Aaron, thanks for having me and hope to see you out on the trails. And if you're looking for a state park or forest that might be less crowded this weekend, you can go to Twitter and follow the hashtag CTTrailsLessTraveled. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.